Welcome to Christian Fellowship Ministries. We are glad you joined us. This sermon series challenges us to check ourselves from the inside out. Listen as Pastor Lucas O'Neill explains. Today, um, you know, I, I agree with what that video is trying to present, that there's power there. And we read the Bible and we believe that, right? You know, we pray God does things, things happen on the backs of God's people praying. God's people pray and, and awesome things happen. I mean, places shake, people get saved, right? Um, but I think if, if you're like me, um, often you, you realize we, we don't pray like we should. We don't pray as often as we should. I think sometimes prayer is frustrating. Um, if, I'm, if, if I'm the only one in that, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, think, I think a lot of us find prayer to be frustrating. If we were to kind of give ourselves a self-diagnosis, you know, or a spiritual checkup and ask ourselves how much we prayed, um, how many of us would just be satisfied with the prayer? You, yes, I pray like I should. Check. I mean, I, I think a lot of us would just feel like, no, I mean, I pray, but I, I don't pray like I should. I think sometimes it's because prayer becomes uh, frustrating for us. And the reason why it becomes frustrating is because we sometimes miss the whole point of prayer. We don't really know how to use it. I remember when I was working uh, with my father-in-law doing masonry and construction, and those of you who kind of know some of those stories already know that that was my... um, If there were such a thing as purgatory, I did that already. So I would have gotten a, a, a quick pass through that, but there isn't, so it doesn't matter. Uh, Working on these rooftops, the heat of the sun, uh, baking us, and on top of the fact that this is difficult work, mixing mud, handing it to bricklayers that are Vietnam vets that cuss at you if you don't hand it fast enough, you know, and the mud's got to be perfect consistency, all this stuff. On top of that, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) You know, I mean, I have no, I don't know what these tools are. I've never been up on a scaffold before. I had to kind of break a fear of heights to get up there on the building and using the tools. Sometimes my, you know, my father-in-law told me, go, go down to the third floor of this warehouse and, and in the second trunk, pull out such and such a tool. And I, and I, I open the trunk and I'm like, I don't know which one he's talking about. I'd have to haul multiple tools up there and be like, which one? I don't know which one it was. Um, something as simple as a sledgehammer. You know, we had this huge uh, uh, concrete floor. We had to kind of break it up, and um, it was hollow underneath, so we're just trying to break through, and I'm using the sledgehammer, and it's, it's killing me. My, my arms, I'm getting shocks through my arms, you know, and I'm like, man, this is, this is really rough. And then I break the sl- sledgehammer. I mean, because I'm, I'm a beast, <laughs> for those of you who don't know. No, I mean, the thing breaks, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know. And then my coworker had to tell me, you're not using the sledgehammer correctly. You know, you're, you're like, oh, trying to, you're supposed to, like, let it slide and do the work, okay. Uh, we had these, these huge, hilty drills with these long bits, and we had to, you know, kind of uh, use them to drill out the old bricks. And I would wake up in the middle of the night with rigor mortis hands, okay. I'd have to open my fingers like this to grab my fork to eat my food. I mean, it was like, what is wrong with my hands, you know. Coworker had to tell me, you're, you're gripping the tool, cradle it, and let it do the work. Oh, didn't know how to use the tools, and it made it more frustrating for me, right? When you don't know how to use something, it's frustrating. This morning, Bob was like, hey, can you run a copy of the, the, the song list for me? Yeah, sure, and I go to run the copy, I'm like, it's yelling at me, beep, beep, boop, beep, boop, 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 you know, I mean, it's a new one, but I don't know anything about copiers. When Tina was working for a, for a lawyer, uh, um, she, you know, she would come home frustrated. 
He doesn't know how to work any of these things. He doesn't know how to make copies. He doesn't know how to... And I'm like, first of all, that's what you're there for. And second of all, like, I, I empathize with the guy because I would hire somebody just to do that, you know, because I have no idea. I mean, then Bob goes back there and he's like, it's on facts, Pastor, you know, and he, and he puts it back on copy. Oh, sorry, you know. I, it's frustrating when you don't know how to work something. And I think many of us, we approach prayer and we try to do prayer and it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen. It's not what we think it should be and we get frustrated with it and then that's the dangerous tension right because that's when you theologically know something to be true and in reality know it to not be true and then you're 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 either going to question what god said is true or you're going to stop the practice and either of those are a dangerous place to be right and that that's what happens we but we don't we don't want to say anything because we know we're supposed to believe in prayer, and we're supposed to pray, and we're supposed to be prayerful. So we don't want to admit to people that we're, we're doubting this whole thing about prayer. But in reality, the easier thing to do is kind of when no one's looking, just kind of don't pray. But that's not what the Lord calls us to either. Jesus kind of stripped back a couple layers of false ideas about prayer to get to the nitty-gritty and teach us what prayer is supposed to be. If we learn what prayer is supposed to be, then it won't be frustrating. It'll be glorious. It'll be what it's supposed to be. It'll be powerful. Let's look at that in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. There's a lot of places where the Bible lays out what prayer is about, but this is one that we get straight from Jesus' mouth, explaining it to the disciples. And you guys remember he's in the middle of this, his long inside-out sermon where he's talking about you guys need to stop doing religion from the outside in. That's not what it's about. It's inside-out. It's the heart change inside. It's not trying to fix stuff on the outside. And then he gives a few examples. He's like, you know, you guys, you guys um, when you give to the needy, you do it in a public way, outside. You need to give because there's something inside of you, right? That's the beginning of chapter um, Chapter 6. Then he gives an example about pray. You guys pray for outside, for people to hear you. Don't pray like that. And then he talks about fasting. You guys fast so people feel bad for you. Don't fast because people feel bad for you. Fast because you want God to do something awesome in your life. Now, I promised you when we went through those three that I would back it up and I would focus on prayer a little bit. And that's what we're going to do this morning. So let's look at that, beginning in verse 5. It's familiar because we read it a couple weeks ago. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Right? We learned about that word. It means like actor. Don't wear a mask. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they'll be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. So right there, he's like, one, one wrong way to pray is to impress people. One wrong way to pray is to impress people. Don't pray to impress people. Some of us don't want to go to prayer meeting because we don't feel like our prayers out loud will impress anybody. Well, if you did come and you finally did muster up the courage to pray, you'd be praying wrongly. Because we don't come together to pray together so that we can show off in front of each other. We don't, we don't use you know, spiritual language to try to impress the, the person next to us. Lord, I thank you for the justification that you so, you know what I mean? No, you, you pray because you want God to move, period, right? And he's saying, don't, don't pray to impress people. That, God doesn't listen to that. God doesn't listen to that. And then he moves to another example. He says, listen, when you pray, 
Don't heap up, verse 7, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. How many of us grew up with the notion that if I pray some, for something long enough, hard enough, if I use enough prayer, and enough words, enough phrases, if I stay in the prayer closet for 30 minutes instead of the 15, but 30 this time, or if I normally do 30, I'm going to stay in there an hour, then God is going to definitely answer that prayer. Man, I pray for an hour and 15 this time, you know. And we, that's more spiritual, right? Because we read about how Jesus went off and prayed all night. He didn't do that every day, but sometimes he did. So we feel like the more phrases we can heap up, when we look at the time, well, it hasn't been an hour yet, Lord, and we just kind of keep saying the same thing over and over again. We misinterpret the passage of the widow that knocks, that keeps knocking. That passage is not keep saying the same thing over and over, and God will finally be like, fine, and give it to you. That is not what that passage means. That passage is showing that God is different from that jerk who wouldn't get up. That jerk had to be knock and knock and knock and knock and finally he gave up. How much more would the father listen the first time his son asked him or his daughter asked him? It's a contrast. It's not a comparison. So Jesus never promoted that the more you pray, 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 pray the same thing over and over again, God is going to hear you better than the person who just prayed it the one time. Why? Because God is omniscient. He already knows that prayer before you asked it. You're not trying. See, the Gentiles, they had this idea, these, the pagans, they had this idea that the gods can't hear us. Remember that, that competition that Elijah had on Mount Carmel? They started cutting themselves and wailing, and he started making fun of them, didn't he? Well, why don't you yell a little louder? Maybe your God will hear you this time. And Elijah didn't have to do that. Why? Because God already knows. And so he says, when you pray on a street corner or in a prayer meeting or whatever it is, loud and ostentatious with ostentatious words like ostentatious... <laughs> So everyone can hear you. You're praying to impress people. But even if you're in your closet and no one's around and you're praying a bunch of phrases, you're trying to impress God. And that's not the right way to pray either. Prayer is not about impressing people and prayer is not about impressing God. You're not going to impress God with your prayer. Now, some of you maybe who would pray more if you just felt like you were more worthy of it or something. That, that's not, that, that doesn't compute. That's not what the Bible teaches about prayer. Prayer is not for you to please him, uh, make him happy, make him like, oh, wow, that was a good one. That was a good one. You need to work on your prayer a little bit more. Hmm, you need to heap up a few more phrases and I'll listen to you. That's not how God, he's not sitting up there doing that. And so back-to-back -back phrases. I mean, I've prayed with people who were brought up to pray that way. And they pray if there's a gap in their prayer, if there's a space of silence. It's unspiritual. I don't know if you've been around, around these people. They just, Lord, Father, God, I just pray, Lord, Father, God, that you would do this, Father, God. And they just fill in the gaps with Lord, Father, God, Lord, Father, God. And everything is, they always call him the same thing. It's never varied. It's never like, uh, you know, Holy One or the Magnificent, oh, Wonderful Counselor, I want to ask you. It's always Lord, Father, God, I pray, Lord, Father, God, Lord, Father, God. It's just empty phrases thrown on top of each other to make it sound like they're speaking fast and praying a bunch of phrases. But that, that's not what prayer is about. You get it? One child who comes before the Lord, Lord, I, I'm having a hard time obeying my parents. Please help me today. God hears that prayer. But somebody in an hour in a closet, Lord, I pray that love of love for an hour, but it's just an hour so that it's an hour? Or just because they think that God is going to listen more to the hour-long prayer than the kid who prayed one for 30 seconds? 
Jesus is saying, God doesn't hear that. Because your prayers are not to impress him. Your prayers are not to impress people and your prayers are not to impress God. You know why? Because both of those prayers are all about you. If you pray like that, prayer is all about you. If you pray to impress people, you're trying to get people to look at you. If you pray to impress God, you're trying to get God to look at, look at you. Look at me. Look at me. I'm praying all these long prayers, God. I'm praying long phrases. I'm praying for a long time. Look at me. And Jesus is saying, that, that's empty. Because prayer is not about you. How many of us finally, when we finally do, feel like, you know what? I need to pray. I need to pray. I just feel driven to pray. And we drop our knees and the first thing we utter out of our mouths is what? Help me. Get me that job. Please heal me. I'm hurting. Me, 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 me. Right? Jesus says, don't pray like those people who pray to impress people or pray to impress God. Pray like this. And look how Jesus starts. A lot of you have the prayer memorized. Pray then like this. Now notice he doesn't say pray exactly this. Pray like this. This is, this is the model. This is like an outline. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Request number one is that God's name would be made holy. And that's request number one because that's what's most important to the person praying that is an inside-out believer, that is a disciple of Jesus Christ, that's a follower of Jesus Christ. The ultimate concern, your primary concern, no matter what else I ask, no matter what else, all the requests that I have, all the anxieties I want to cast before you, I want to do that, but before we do any of that, I just want to proclaim your name. You are my heavenly Father. I mean, that's so rich. You know, our Father in heaven. Father just connotes, you know, it's a loving relationship. He's not like a far-off God that spun the planet into existence and doesn't care about you. He's a father. You're his child. But at the same time, he's not an earthly father. He's not a, he's not a, a, a teddy bear either, you know. He, he is our father in heaven. And so he's other. He's transcendent. He is not like you. His ways are above your ways. His thoughts are above your thoughts. And the fact that you're even praying to him doesn't even make sense. The fact that you're able to communicate with this infinite being in your finite mind, whatever little prayer you're able to concoct or produce, it doesn't doesn't even make sense, does it, that this infinite, holy, perfect God would even stoop to listen to you. And so we don't just fast forward through that. Yeah, Father God, whatever. Anyway, I have this request it's about you again. But what Jesus is saying is prayer is not about you. Prayer is about him. And when you come before him, it's a worship session. You come before him and say, our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What name? What name? You know, maybe we could just pause there a minute. What are the names that the Bible gives? You know, um, Yahweh Yireh or Jehovah Jireh. Remember the old song we used to sing? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You could just stop there and just, Lord, you're my provider. You, are my pro- you provide all things. You provide for, um, for, um, for my family. You provide for my needs. You, prov- you are a provider. You, you provide sun. You provide air conditioning. You provide a place for us to worship. You provide, you know, you could just do that. I mean, think of his name. You're mighty. You're holy. Worship his name. And that, that's, that's, that's step one. And then look at the next request. 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, you can hear the contrast with my will is pressing in. There's a kingdom that I want to push forward. But no, no, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Even though there's all this stuff that I want, I want what you want. Because I'm not holy. I'm not the one that, that, whose address is in heaven. I'm not the creator. I'm not the, the majestic one. You are. So your kingdom come. Your will be done. So what if one of my requests kind of conflicts with that? Then forget my request, God. I don't care about... What I care about is that your will be done. What I care is that you were number one. And what I'm, what I'm praying right now is because I want to worship you. Because I want to call you Father. Because I get to talk to you. That's so insane. That's why I'm praying. I'm praying because it's such a privilege and honor to come before you and speak to you. That's why I'm praying. I'm not praying for the primary purpose of getting my needs fixed. Now, does the Bible say you can't pray for your needs? No, no. It doesn't say that. But when the primary thing that drives us to pray is needs, then isn't it just all about us again? I mean, how is it not? We approach God like he's a genie, right? And maybe, uh, maybe we'll throw him a couple dear heavenly fathers. We'll throw a couple like I love yous. And it's like we're rubbing the lamp until it pops out and we get what we really want. That's what we're really here for. Nobody approaches a genie in a lamp to rub the lamp because they just, they just want to rub the lamp. The lamp is so rubby and good. I don't know. That's just, I just want to rub it, you know? What if the lamp was sitting there and you knew the genie's not going to pop out and give you an answer to your wish, but just rub it anyway? No, that genie would collect dust. God is not a genie. He doesn't pop out. You know, a genie, what's a, what, the thing about a genie is it's more powerful than you, but you're its master. And that's how we treat God. You're powerful, Lord. You do, you're so great, but um, here's some stuff I need you to get done. That's how we present our requests. And it's all about me. And then God, we stuff them back in the lamp and put them in our pocket and pull them out next time we get sick. Pull them out next time we get scared. Pull them out next time we're having trouble. But Jesus is saying that that's not what prayer is about. If you're halfway done with your prayer, you haven't even gotten to request yet. You're worshiping his name. You're asking that his name be holy. You're addressing him. You're visualizing who it is that you're speaking to. Then you're asking that his kingdom would come. You're imagining his kingdom. You're thinking of how his kingdom is advancing in this world. You're asking that his will be done. You're tearing it away from the will that you want to be, have happen. And you're saying that you, you, how it is in heaven, Lord. I want that to be the way it is on earth. And then finally, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. That's the first request that has anything to do with me. But the request prior to that. I mean, isn't that the the rhythm of the Bible? Remember when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments? The first four had nothing to do with each other. It had everything to do with us toward God. Here's how you're going to worship me. You're going to only worship me, rule number one. Rule number two, don't carve anything or make anything that kind of looks like me. Don't make beanie babies of me. Don't make keychains of me. Don't make posters of me. The stuff that you can light candles and, and kneel before. You can't create an image of me. You can't, you can't animate me. You can't illustrate me. There's no perfect illustration of me. So don't do it. I'm the invisible, immortal God. and You worship me like that. That was rule number two. Right, then he talks about 
um, obeying, uh, not taking his name in vain or using his name uselessly or, or, or wrongly. Then he talks about honoring the day that he made holy. So the first four is me, 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 then here's how you treat each other. Remember when they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, well, actually there's two. The first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Which one came first? The vertical one. The horizontal one doesn't make sense unless the vertical one happens first. And so Jesus lays out, here's how you pray. What happens first? Praying for my stuff? No, no. Vertical first. Vertical first. Lord, your will be done. This is about you. This is all about you. And none of the other stuff happens. This is still a time that was worth it for me. It was still worth it coming to pray to you. Not because answers weren't met or the way the answers happened, but because I'm here to worship you as you are. And I want your will to be done in this place and in my life. And then he goes, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts, our trespasses. Help us to also forgive others. Uh, So you forgive us as we forgive others their debts. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's so much to unpack there. um, But I just want to camp out on what I think is the overall issue here. And the overall issue is that when we think prayer doesn't work, it's because we're praying for ourselves. It's not until we realize that prayer is about Him that we'll realize how powerful prayer is. I mean, we get confused, don't we? I was in the family bookstore the other day, and I was purchasing something. I had to wait like a half hour to just buy like a, a little item, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm just you know praying for patience and everything. I am in a Christian store, and I do have my Pastor Perks card, so... You know, I'm just like, Lord, I love you. Okay. I overhear a conversation, and these two ladies meet. I don't know how they met. I kind of walked in, and, I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to hear everything, but from what I caught, they started talking. And one of them is sick. One of them uh, has some kind of ailment um, that she's wrestling with. And it sounds like maybe she's not a believer, or maybe she was, but has wandered back to the faith. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, But she was in the bookstore picking something up, maybe looking for something to read to inspire her. And the other woman met her and and just started asking questions. And neither of them worked there or anything. They just started talking. And she just says, you know, that that sickness in your body, that sickness doesn't belong. That's not God's will for you. I'm going to pray over you. And just started praying over her. Lord, I just pray that you would remove this sickness. That is not of you. That is of the devil. And we know that your will is to remove that from her. You're, we know that your will is for her not to be sad, not to be bogged down. We know that your will is for her to be healthy. And so in the authority of Jesus' name, I pray that you would remove that in this instant right now. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. It was a purpose. And I'm there like, don't jump in. Don't jump in. Don't jump in. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Here's why. Here's why. Can we pray for healing? Yes. Do we know for a fact in every instance that it's God's will for you to be immediately healed? No. Read the Bible. When Paul had that thorn in his flesh, (laughs) he's like, I pleaded three times that the Lord would take this away from me. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Three times. And that's funny because some of us would be like, well, try 30 times, Paul. I've been dealing with this for like a year. Part of Paul's problem was he was a little conceited. He had all these revelations, stuff that he wrote down for us. Okay, he wrote most of the New Testament, you know, in terms of how many books. And stuff that he wrote down was just what he was allowed to tell us. I mean, he, he, he had revelations that he wasn't even allowed to write down. The stuff that, and he got, he got a fat head. 
Right? So he, he was like, if I pray for something, I'm Paul. If I pray for something three times, God, hello, you know? He's like, I pray for this three times. And God's answer, well, Jesus answered him in person. That's the kind of relationship Paul had, you know? Jesus revealed himself to him and said, I'm not going to give you that answer. I'm not going to remove that thorn because I want you to depend on me. It's better for you to be weak so that you learn my strength than to be strong on your own and know nothing about my strength. So therefore, hack it out with the illness. What if that's God's plan for that woman in the family bookstore? What if she goes home and she's like still sick? What if she warms into that lady again? Oh, are you, you're better, right? No. What's the conclusion? Oh, you didn't have enough faith. Okay, that's real convenient. Blame the lady that's sick. How about we back up and ask what prayer... Wait, wait, hold on a second. What's prayer really for? Because that model of prayer is genie. God is your servant, and when you call on him, he's supposed to poof, do the things that you ask. But what Jesus is saying is, hold on a second. If you would have first prayed, your will be done. Your will be done. If you would have first prayed, Lord, you are holy no matter what's happening in my life. Even in the times where I feel like questioning you, the times that are, the trials that are so difficult, I, 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 I feel like I, I might be, I might misstep. Lord, even in those difficult times like Job, I praise your name. You are holy. Well, what about all these circumstances? He's still holy. Well, what are you going to do if this happens? Hallowed be his name. He gives and he takes away. Blessed be his name. But what if, what if your children die, all of them at the same time, in a car accident, on the way to acquire the fire, just to rub it in? He is holy. If you don't start here, you're not praying correctly. You start with, give us this day. That's, that's how we start our prayers. That's what prayer really is about for us. Is give us this day our needs. Give me what I need, Lord. Give me what I need. You don't know what you need. You haven't aligned your heart with his. You haven't prayed the part where you say, you know what, here's my will, but I want your will to be done. That wrestling has to happen first. Then you can ask for his blessing. This, this is why there's passages in the Bible where Jesus says, ask whatever you want. And It'll be given to you. Am I lying? Right? There's places in the Bible where Jesus says, ask in my name, ask it, and it'll happen. Move that mountain, it'll move. Doesn't he say it? In James, it says the person who prays an effective prayer, a righteous person praying effectively, uh, will pray it over the person who's sick, and that sick person will be healed. It doesn't say might be healed, it says will be healed. Well, so, well, that, sounds, that sounds a little bit contradictory. Conveniently, we have one of those passages in the next chapter. Okay, so if you're in Matthew 6, just flip over to 7. Look, look at verse, chapter 7, verse 7. And this is familiar. This isn't, I mean, for those of you who've been around the, the Christian block for a little while, you, you kind of know these verses a little bit. In verse 7, look what it says. He says, this is Jesus. Same sermon, by the way. I mean, he's still the Sermon on the Mount, right? He goes back to the issue of prayer. So Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Wasn't that sound like a formula? Ask for the healing, it will be given. It's almost like a blank check, isn't it? Here, write your amount, and it will be cashed. 
Knock on that door, it'll be open. Ask for this thing and it'll be given to you. That's what Jesus said. But then hold on a second. He gives us an interesting illustration. Which one of you, he says, if your son were to ask you for bread, your son is hungry. He hasn't eaten in a while. He's starving. And he asked for bread. You have bread. Would you withhold it? I feel bad when the kids, Dad, um, can I have an apple? Yeah, I want you to have, I mean, ask like that if it's like an airhead, right? But apple, have it. Eat it. I just don't want two bites and see it on the floor. You know, that, that'll make me upset. But if you want something healthy, like, Dad, can I please have a celery stick? What? Why would you ask that? Eat the celery stick. You know what I'm saying? But if you want Fruit Loops, whoa, hold on a second. Right? Because cavities and all that stuff. Jesus' point is if a son is hungry and asks the father for bread, why would the fa- wouldn't the father give him bread? Listen to what he says. Which one of you would give him a stone instead? You know, and then snicker behind closed doors with your wife. <laughs> Check it out. It looks like bread. Like a loaf. It's a rock. I got found it in the ocean when I was fly fishing. It's hilarious. Look, I give it to him. Look, he's going to bite into it and break his teeth. Isn't that funny? No, that's ridiculous. Who would do that? So his point is, if a son asks a father for a piece of bread, would the father give him a stone? Or if the son asked for fish, would he give him a serpent instead? Look, maybe, look I, I told him it's a fish. I told him I, I fished it. I told him I, but it's actually a poisonous snake. Watch it bite him. Watch it bite him. No. He wouldn't do that. Verse 11, if you then, who are evil, (laughs) I mean, we're not Holy Father, not Hallowed be our name, we're we're messed up people. And as messed up people, we would never do that? Then how would the Father do that? You then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, here's the problem. When we come before the Father and we ask for something, we assume we're asking for something good. I mean, what if you were to reverse Jesus' illustration and the kid comes and asks for a snake? Would the father give it to him? Oh, yeah, of course. No, he wouldn't. Because the whole point is not that the father gives the child whatever the child wants. The point is when the child asks for something good, the father gives the good gift to the son without hesitation. Now, you and I are fallen people. We're not omniscient. We're not transcendent. We're not holy. We don't know everything. Do we always ask for something good? No. Sometimes we ask something that's not good for us. When Paul asked for that thorn to be removed, it sounded good to him, but it didn't sound good to Jesus. And Jesus said no. And so when Jesus says, whatever you ask, it'll be given to you. Whenever you knock, it'll be open. Whatever you seek for, you'll find. If what you seek for is good. Not every door you knock on is going to be open. That would make you the master of the universe, wouldn't it? But when you knock on the door that God wants you to knock on, when your will is aligned with his will, and it's not your will be done, but his will be done, that door will open, even if it looks impossible. You ever press with a decision where you know the right thing to do, the right thing to do will probably end you? I mean, maybe it'll jeopardize your career. Maybe you're dating that girl and you feel like if I do this right thing, I'll lose chance with her. Whatever it is, you think back in your life and the, the kind of decisions where you feel like, man, it's the right thing to do, but I just feel like everything's going to fall apart. That's where this comes in. He's saying, you pray, right? And it's the right thing. You pray, it'll happen. You'll see how it'll happen and it'll be good. 
But when we start interjecting, forget the father-son analogy and just asking it'll be open and we just stop it there and it's all about me. Yeah, you can pull in, do the blank check prayer. Lord, I pray for a new car. Lord, I pray for a new house. Lord, I pray for a new uh, whatever. Fill in the blank. Lord, give me, give me, give me. God is a giant vending machine and you just keep putting in spiritual quarters that we call prayer and we hope that toys pop out that make us happy. And that's what we get frustrated because that's not what prayer is. Prayer is about our Father in heaven and making his name holy and asking his kingdom to come, asking his will to be done. And I love how it says, give us this day our, our daily bread, not our daily candy, not our daily wants, you know, what we need, what the Lord sees as what we need. Your mind rises back to the man in the desert when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness and they had manna for the day. They would wake up, open their tents, and there's manna on the ground like snow. And they'd collect it. And he tells them, don't collect too much. Don't collect for tomorrow as if I'm not going to be here providing tomorrow. Don't have in the back of your mind like I'm going to disappear and not be here. Just collect enough for the day and I'm going to give you what you need right now. I'm going to give you. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. So, Lord, what do I need? What do I need right now? What do I need to learn? What do I need to know? What do you need to do inside me? What do you need to do with me? I want that to happen. But that's more important than health to me. That's more important than eating to me. That's more important than comfort to me. That's more important than a, a nice job. That's more important than, a, than whatever I can put together that I think would make my life nice. What's most important to me is hollowing your name. What if you knew that you come to prayer meeting and you pray, and what you pray is not going to happen? Would you still come? I'd have a hard time coming. If I knew for a fact that I'm going to come and I'm going to take an hour out of my Friday evening and I'm going to pray with a group of people for an hour and what we pray isn't going to happen, would we still do it? Jesus is saying, yeah, you still do it. Because prayer is not about making things happen that you want to happen. Prayer is coming before God and going, God, if this is your will, do it. Now, people out there like the lady in the family bookstore, they would think it's a wimpy prayer to say, Lord, if you will, if you desire it, let this happen. Oh, that's such a wimpy prayer. Take authority in Jesus' name and make it happen. It's not a wimpy prayer. I think it's robust. I think it's a deeper understanding of who it is that you're talking to. I think it's an understanding that it's in Jesus' name, not in my name, not in how I wield his name, not in how you know, loudly I say his name. Not in how confident I am in his name. It's his name according to what he wants to do with his name. Would healing more glorify his name? Or would the person battling through the sickness more glorify his name? Because whichever one would more glorify your name, God, do that. And if it's to continue battling through sickness, then give me the strength to be a, a persevering saint while I'm sick. But if it's better for you that I'm healed, then do that. But Lord, if you heal me and I just forget you, you heal me and in my health I stop praying. You heal me and in my health I stop leaning on you. I stop asking for prayer requests. I stop going to, to as many prayer meetings and stuff because now I'm a little bit better. Then Lord, keep me in the grind until I learn my lesson. Because I want your name to be glorified, not mine. My challenge to you guys is this. I want you guys to think about your prayer lives. You know, how you pray. Do you pray, you know? 
And I want us to start thinking about praying, not exactly this prayer. Maybe you have to do exactly this prayer just to kind of get the wheels rolling. But pray like this. Let it be some time before you get to your requests. Linger there for a moment, just reflecting on who God is. Go to a passage and just read a passage about God or a psalm or something. And just look, God, how you are. You're awesome. And just read it back to him and just say, your, your name is awesome. Look at you. You, you are great. You are perfect. And just, and just do a little praise. Do some worship first. Then, then ask him for his will to be done. Recognize that his will is not always our will. What we want is not always what he wants. Sometimes they're in conflict. God, when it's in conflict, help me to realize that your way is better. Your way is better. Maybe it's a hardship. Maybe it's a trial. Now, at the end of the prayer, Lord, lead us not into trials. Temptation is the same word for trials. And the Bible tells us God doesn't tempt us. So it's a better way to say it is trial. Don't, don't lead us into trials, God. Don't lead us into trials. Please keep us from them. But when you do allow the trial, don't allow the evil one to turn it into a temptation that makes me fail. Protect me. God sometimes desires that you go through a trial. We ask to not go through trials, but when it happens, we ask they wouldn't turn into a temptation. And we wouldn't give in to the schemes of the evil one. It's going, trials are going to happen. We need to ask that the Lord's will be done in them. So I want us to reverse our prayers. Instead of just j- jumping straight into healing, start asking, what would healing look like in my life? How would healing more glorify his name? How would not being healed more glorify his name? What would it look like for me to continue in this struggle could I bring glory to his name if I continued in the struggle? What is God trying to teach me as I'm in this struggle? And we start praying like that. You see, God aligns our heart with his. And when our hearts are the same, when we want the same things that he wants, every door you knock on opens. And that's when prayer becomes powerful. John, I'd like to ask you to come back up. And we're going to close in a, in a song of prayer, uh, a prayerful song that really uh, does what this prayer does in the beginning. Lifts up the name of God. How great His name is. And this is where prayer begins. This is what prayer is about. If prayer is going to be powerful in your life, it's going to be because you're praying for Him. You're doing it for Jesus. You're not doing it because you're trying to impress people. You're not doing it because you're trying to impress God. You're doing it because you're impressed with God. Let's pray. Father, As we lift up this song to you, we ask that you would um, give us insight into what prayer really is about. We looked at a few verses and and, uh, we lingered on it for a little bit. We ask that you would make it real in our hearts, God. What is prayer really about? And drive us to pray. Drive us to be more prayerful as a people, as a community, and as individuals when we're outside of these walls. Help us to come before you and just say, Lord... We want, we want you to accomplish your will in our lives. Whatever it looks like, whatever difficult decisions we need to make, do it. Do it through us, Lord, so that your name would be made great in our lives and that people would see how great you are because of uh, what's going on in our lives, Lord. And give us the wisdom uh, to tell the difference between what might be our will and how it might be different from yours. Uh, Give us grace to understand that we need to surrender ours to yours. 
And help us to see how powerful prayer can be, Lord, when we pray like that. And we ask you to teach us that truth in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Christian Fellowship.